What a great, great message. He walked every mile for me. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest this morning. Michael was raised in a Jewish home in Toronto. His great-grandparents immigrated to Canada from the Ukraine in the late 1800s. Michael came to faith in the Messiah Jesus later in life, intrigued by the changes in his wife, Chantel. When she first came to faith, Michael's curiosity and the gentle ministry of dear friends eventually brought him to the Lord. Chosen People Ministry, Ministry staff member had the privilege of praying with him when Michael decided to trust in Jesus. The transformation Jesus Christ brings in someone's life. And then to know that God calls you into ministry to share with others is such a tremendous thing to see. Let's give him a good hand clap as he comes to minister to the Lord this morning. Not yet. Oh, there we go. <laughs> By the end of, of the morning, I hope you still are tuned in. Shalom Aleichem. Oh, you have no idea what I'm saying, do you? Okay. All right. When, when one person in Israel greets another person, he says, Shalom Aleichem. Peace be with you. Peace. What an incredibly powerful word peace is. For in Hebrew, peace means more than just peace. It means completeness. It means wholeness. It means full in the power of God's strength. That's what it's always meant. So when somebody says, Shalom Aleichem, they're saying, may God's fullness, his completeness, his incredible strength, Fill you, and may you be strong in, in him. Shalom Alechem. And so the, the other person responds by saying, Alechem Shalom. And in you, may God deposit his strength, his completeness, his fullness. So when I say to you this morning, Shalom Alechem, you respond with Alechem Shalom. So let's try that again. Shalom Alechem. Once more, Shalom Aleichem. Wonderful, wonderful. You'll, you'll be speaking Hebrew in no time. This morning, I have been asked to share with you Messiah in the Passover. And what an incredibly powerful opportunity this is because Messiah in the Passover doesn't start in Jerusalem 30 A.D., but Messiah in the Passover starts many, many years earlier than that, many years before that, thousands of years before that, as a matter of fact. And here's something that you may not have known. Those of you who have a, uh, a secret understanding in your hearts that the Old Testament is no longer relevant, in the first line of the Old Testament, it says, Breshit Chabad, sorry, Breshit et Chabdar Adonai. 
In the beginning, God created. That word et, that little word et, is untranslatable. And it's not translated in, into English. It's composed of two letters, an aleph and a tav. The first letter of the Hebrew alphabet and the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Not ringing any bells yet, is it? Let's go a little bit further. In Revelation, what does our master say? He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. The first letter of the Greek alphabet and the last letter of the Greek alphabet. But he wasn't speaking Greek because Revelation, although it was written in Greek, is the most Hebrew of all books you will find outside of the Old Testament. Everything in the book of Revelation points to Yeshua, Jesus, as he emerges from Hebrew history. And so that little word, et, if we translate that properly, what that says, in the beginning, God created Messiah. So right from the very beginning, right from the very line of the Old Testament, we see Jesus is clearly established as our Messiah, as the Son of God. Interesting, isn't it? And so we can see that we're not talking just about those few small books in the New Testament as being the gospel of our Messiah, Jesus. But we're talking about all the books, all the books of the Holy Scriptures. All of this is the gospel of our Messiah, Jesus, our Messiah, Yeshua. Not only the New Testament. And so, let's take a look at this story, this event that focuses on his life. When you go into, when you go into Genesis, and we start with Genesis 12.3, we, we come to a clear understanding of what is happening. Where God makes a covenant with Abraham and he says, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And through you, all the clans of the earth shall be blessed. Now that sounds wonderful, except the word that is used in that line for blessed is not the normal word that is used all through Scripture. The word that is used for blessed in that line is bracha. Not chesed. Bracha, at its roots, means intermingled or grafted in. And so what God is telling Abraham is that through you, Abraham, all the clans of the earth will be grafted in. So right from the very book that he authored, he's telling us, that those who believe in Jesus will be grafted in to Israel. 
Unfortunately, the rabbis won't tell you that. And unfortunately, the seminaries don't teach that well. And so not many people understand that God's plan to graft in non-Jewish believers was announced right at the very beginning of his writing to us. So all through, we know that Gentile believers will be grafted into Israel and become joint heirs with with Jewish believers, joint heirs of the promises made to all of us. Amen. Hallelujah. May God's name be praised. And so Abraham was the beginning. And Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son Isaac. This is known as the Akedah, the sacrifice of Isaac, the preliminary, the forecasting of God's sacrifice of himself in the body of a man in order to save us. And that's what this festival is all about. We see this. And I'm going to explain this to you this morning and hopefully, hopefully this will come clear of how all of this which happened so many years ago was a story, a forecast of Yeshua himself, of Jesus himself, even at the very first Passover. For you see, when, when the Israelites were about to flee from Egypt, they were asked to take a lamb, a year-old lamb, and they were told to, to sacrifice that, that lamb and put its blood on the lentils of the doorpost. And that was to signify to God when he passed over that the people within this house have been saved by the blood of the Lamb. And so when God passed over and he saw the blood on the doorpost, he knew that these people were saved because they had given themselves to God's power, to God's protection. You see, in, in the biblical understanding, by God's command, atonement can only come through the shedding of blood. Now, nobody was ever saved from the shedding of the blood of a year-old lamb. And my people know that. However, we do know that those who changed their lives as a result of God's giving them this opportunity were saved when Jesus walked the earth. And as soon as his blood, his sacrifice as the Passover lamb came to us, our redemption was secure. Our salvation, the promise of our complete Salvation is secure through the shedding of his blood. Hallelujah. Oh, come now. You can do better than that. Hallelujah. (laughs) I hope the 11 o'clock service is a little louder than that. And so today we we are celebrating Palm Sunday. And so if we go back 
2,000 years, almost 2,000 years, we see that our Messiah, God in the body of a man, came marching through, came, came walking down on the back of a white donkey, the colt of a full and came through the eastern gate, the golden gate, into the city of Jerusalem. And this was on the 10th of Nisan. No, I'm not talking about the Japanese car. The 10th of Nisan, the biblical year of Nisan, the first, year, the first month of the biblical calendar. And he came through that, that golden gate, that eastern gate, and came into the city. And because the festival that we are celebrating is called the Festival of Unleavened Bread, that means that all the houses in the city, all the houses in, in Israel that were, that were lived in, inhabited by Jewish people, they all had to be cleaned out. All the dust, all the leaven, all the yeast that was in that house had to be gone. And so every family gathered their children around. Uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, not all the members of the family, but the women and the children gathered around. The men's job was to supervise. Men supervise very well. Women work and men supervise. That, that's what my wife tells me, that we're very good at that. And so, the, the women and the children clean the house, and they, it takes them a good week, a week and a half, to make sure that there's no dust, there's nothing in that house that can be called leaven, that can be called yeast. And re, remember what... Rabbi Shaul said to us, Watch out for the leaven. Watch out for the yeast. Because a little bit can contaminate the entire lump. Just a little speck of yeast can contaminate the entire batch. And so the family makes sure that there's no Leaven within the house. And then just to make sure that the father understands that they've done their job, they leave a little pile of dust in the corner of, of a cupboard. And father comes along at the end of the day, just before the, the Passover starts, and he inspects the entire house. And then he comes to the kitchen, the last room to inspect, and he looks in a cupboard, he sees this little pile of dust, he takes his napkin, and he wipes the dust into the napkin. Wraps it up takes it outside where all the other fathers have gathered for a bonfire and they've thrown the dust into the bonfire and they all look at each other and say, we have completed our task. The house is now clean. <laughs> and and I, see, I see the women amongst us today are, are smiling, some are laughing, some are saying, oh, typical, isn't it? <laughs> When Yeshua went into, the, went into the temple courtyard and cleaned out the money changers, 
and cleaned out those who were selling the the lambs and the kids and and the and the doves he was cleaning out the leaven from the temple he was making sure that the temple was clean so he was doing his job in order to make sure that god's house was clean by getting rid of the sin that was there in the temple courtyard the courtyard of the gentiles This was the area where all the Gentile seekers and all the Gentile believers would come to pray to God. And they were blocking all of that. They were committing a sin. And so Jesus, Yeshua, swept them out. He got rid of the leaven within that space. And then he told his disciples, I want you to watch for the man who is carrying water. Doesn't sound unusual, does it? Watch for the man who is carrying water and tell him we want to use his house. Well, fact is that in those days, men didn't carry water. Women carried the water. No self-respecting man would be seen in the streets carrying water. The only man who would carry water was a monk, an Essene monk. You've heard of the Essenes. They lived down in the in the, uh, by the Dead Sea in Qumran, where the Dead Sea scrolls were, were found. But before they went there, they lived in Jerusalem. And they had a, a I guess you could call it a monastery. I, I can't remember the word in Hebrew for that. But they lived in a, in a Hebrew monastery And and Jesus said, I want us to go there and hold our Passover there. So let's transport ourselves to that time. We are in the upper room. This is the hall that belongs to the Essenes. And we are watching the Passover as, as, as it is being played out. And we see, we see, that Yeshua is seated there. Oh, if you've got in your mind uh, the painting by what is what's his name? <laughs> what's his name? The one who painted Yeshua Jesus seated at a at a long table with all the all the, the disciples around him, Michelangelo. Get that out of your mind. That's not the way it was. They didn't have long tables and chairs that they sat around. No. They sat around very small tables because they were to sit on the floor on cushions and they were to recline. There was, this was a relaxed day because as we sang this morning, they were free. They were free of the bondage of of sin, because he had come for us. And so they were relaxed in that room, and the Essenes were serving them. And so they, all the disciples were there, not just the twelve, there were a few more around them as well, and they were to enjoy the last Passover that he was to celebrate with them. And so we're going to begin this uh, 
by doing the traditional process of lighting the candles. So I'm going to ask for a female volunteer because only women light candles. <laughs> Talk about gender bias, eh? So I, I, would, I would ask for a woman to volunteer and come up here, please, to light the candles for us. Is there a volunteer? No volunteers? Oh, come, well, then that means I have to appoint. So if you're not going to be, oh, my goodness, I really, this really bothers me. However, would you come up, please? What is your name, please? My name is Pearl. Pearl's going to light the candles, and then I'm going to recite the, the blessing for them because I don't think you understand Hebrew, do you, Pearl? Okay, all right. Okay. What is, what is our school system doing these days? Please. Thank you very much. You did that very professionally. <laughs> and so the candles were, were lit by one of the Essene monks, and Yeshua went up to the candles and he said, Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech alam, asher kitshanu b'mitzvotah shel Pesach. Blessed are you, O Lord our God. King of the universe, who has brought us to this place and commanded us to light the candles of Passover. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has kept us healthy and safe and has allowed us to come into this season of joy. And so he then proceeded to, to lead them through the Passover. And one of the first things it, that would happen at that time is that they would all ceremoniously wash their hands. This was not to make sure their hands were clean, this was spiritual. And by dipping their fingers into the water, and then drying them, that would give them the clear understanding that they were spiritually clean, ready to receive the Passover. But Yeshua, Jesus, did something differently. He disrobed. He put a towel around himself, and then he walked around from disciple to disciple, and he washed their feet, clearly indicating to them that he is our servant leader. <laughs> Remember what Peter said? Peter, Peter said to him, No, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus, in his humble way, said, Then, Peter, if you won't allow me to wash your feet, you will have none of me, for only those that I can serve are part of me. And Peter, 
<laughs> Peter, what did he say? Oh, Lord, wash all of me, please. I love Peter. He spends more time pulling his feet out of his mouth than he does anything else. I have a story to tell. If we have, if we have enough time, I have a story to tell which really shows you P- Peter's wonderful character. And then we come to the, the bitter herbs. The bitter herbs. These indicate the suffering that our people went through at the hands of the Egyptians. But it also speaks to the suffering that we have gone through. And some in this room who have not accepted Yeshua, Jesus, as their Messiah yet are still going through at the hands of sin. It is torturous, and we don't know that until we stop. We don't know that until He cleanses us. We who were in sin were so mired in sin we did not know what being free was. And my people who were so mired in slavery did not know what freedom was because they had never experienced it. Those who were taken from freedom into slavery had long passed away. The slaves that came out of, out of Egypt knew nothing else. And so we take a piece of matzah. Matzah. Oh, my goodness. I haven't shared this with you yet, have I? Matzah. The bread that was made without yeast, that is made without yeast. It wasn't made square in those days, but it was made exactly the same way that this piece of matzah was made. And I'm going to walk among you, and I want you to look at this, and I want you to tell me what you see as you look at this. Look into it. Look into it as close as you can. I wish I could take it to each and every one of you, but time is fleeting, so I'm going to have to move. Get my body moving. Look at that closely. Regard that fully. Look at that closely. Tell me what you see. What do you see as you as you look at this? Holes. What else do you see? Stripes. Isaiah 53. He was pierced for our transgressions. And by His stripes we are healed. And matzah has been made this way over 4,000 years. Over 4,000 years they've made matzah the same way. With the piercings and with the stripes. And they don't know why. It's tradition, they say. That's the way it's always been done, they say. Why? Why? Because it's a foretelling of our Messiah. And Isaiah, the Messianic prophet, shared that with us. 
By His stripes we have been healed. And He was pierced for our transgressions. We take the matzah. We break it into little pieces and then we take one small piece and we take a little bit of horseradish I don't know did they did they buy the sweet horseradish or the very strong horseradish any idea and we say a blessing over the horseradish and then we eat it well I don't want to deprive one of you of this great blessing so I'm going to who would you like me to give this to Who would, oh, I see you're pointing to your pastor. Okay, all right, well, let's do that, shall we? (laughs) I hope it's the sweet horseradish. (laughs) He tastes it first. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And the horseradish, it signifies to us that, that we have we have been sinners. And this is the bondage of sin, and we must recognize where we've come from. There are four glasses of wine that are drunk during the Seder. Four glasses of wine. Not grape juice like this is, but four glasses of wine. Did you know that in Israel at that time, wine was the staple drink? It was because of the sanitary conditions. There were no, there were no honey bins in Israel at that time. And so they had to dilute their water with wine in order to kill the microbes. And so every water that, that was drunk at that time had a minimum of one sixteenth part wine in it. That's why there were so many wineries in, in Israel at that time. Four glasses. The, f- the first glass of wine was the cup of sanctification. Was that cup that separated the believers in Yeshua from the world. Indicated to the world that those who believe in Messiah are set apart. Kadosh. The word kadosh in Hebrew means holy. It doesn't mean superior to. It means set apart. To be different. To be set apart for the Lord. To be holy. Baruch ata Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam boire pri hagofen. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who gives us fruit of the vine. Yeshua, Jesus, is our vine. We are His branches. And we bring forth fruit for Him. And the fruit that we bring forth for our Messiah is the walking out of His commands. The Great Commission and our looking after the poor, our looking after the widows, are looking after the orphans. That is our commission. That is how we are set apart. That is how the world sees us as being set apart. 
Amen. Mm. Nice grape juice. And then we come to the parsley. The parsley signifies life. It's new growth in the spring, and so we dip it into the salt water. And we eat that because it tells us that even when there is joy, there is sorrow. That we cannot know joy unless we've experienced sorrow. We cannot, under, we cannot comprehend happiness unless we also know pain. Pain of the heart. And my people knew, know, the pain of the heart. They have suffered over these centuries because they have been in the world and not set apart for God. And then we come to the charoset. Interesting word, charoset. Charoset is a dish that is composed of Apples that should grow brown. We don't keep them white. We let them grow, go brown because it tells us that we were in slavery for many years. And then it's mixed with walnuts. Walnuts that give us the harshness, that the hardness of life. And then added to that is honey, the sweetness of life. And we recognize that even when there is hardship in building the bricks and in making our own mortar, there is sweetness. And so we take a little bit of the haroset and we offer it to someone or we eat it ourselves. And if you feel betrayed, I don't blame you. We take, as part of the Passover, we take three pieces of matzah. Now, the rabbis are very clear about what these three pieces of matzah mean. They say that the first piece of matzah speaks to the temple where Jews pray. The second piece of matzah refers to the priests, the Levites, who lead the worship. And the third piece of matzah speaks to the people who worship God. Well, that's wonderful, except why do we take the middle piece of matzah and we break it? And we take part of it we take the biggest half and we wrap it in linen, white linen. And then we take this and we hide it. 
It's called the Afikoman. Anybody here speak low German? Afikoman is Yiddish. And Yiddish comes from low German. And what, it, what the Afikoman means is, here comes the afters. In our language, it's saying, here comes dessert. The Afikoman is what comes after. Interesting concept, except the children hunt for the Afikoman during dinner. And they bring it out. They bring it to the father. And I'm not making this up. This has been going on now for more than 2,000 years. They bring it to the father and they say, Dad, I found this. Do you want it? And the daddy says, yes, thank you. And they say, well, how much is it worth to you? And the father says, are you ransoming that? And the child who found it said, yes, I am. Has the penny dropped yet? That the middle piece of matzah is broken and it is buried to be found by an innocent, knowing that that piece of matzah represents God's ransom for us. That those three pieces of matzah represent the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the middle piece of matzah is broken for us, buried, and then resurrected as a ransom for our salvation, for your salvation and my salvation. And so he was buried on what we believe is, is Good Friday, which is coming up. And then three days later he arose, the Passover lamb. The Passover lamb who was sacrificed for our sins. He arose. <coughs> and he arose on the festival of Bikurim. The second day of the festival of unleavened bread. The festival of Bikurim. The festival of first fruits. And Yeshua, Jesus, our Messiah, our Moshiach, our Christos, our Christ, arose on the first fruits of humanity, the first fruit of the resurrection. And I don't hear one hallelujah in this room. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come, say it with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise be His name. Then we come to the second cup of wine. And the second cup of wine is the cup of plagues, the cup of wrath. <coughs> Excuse me. That's my re retribution for <clears throat> eating your choroset. The second cup of wine is the cup of wrath. The cup that he took when he was on that wretched ex execution stake. He took that. And he received your sins and my sins and the sins of the world that is past and the sins of the world that is to come. And so we remember that. 
But then we come to the third cup, and the third cup is the cup of redemption. This is the cup after supper. This is the cup that he said, this is the sign of the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink of this, remember me. And the disciples remembered that. And every Passover, they gathered together. They came into community. They gathered in communion every Passover, and they had the cup of redemption. And they remembered him. And every time, every time you come to communion, when you accept that cup, you are recommitting yourself to him. This is not just remembering him because he talked about this. It's not recorded, but he talked about this. He had to have talked about this. The threshold covenant. The covenant that he made with his disciples. Whenever you drink of this, you are crossing the threshold into heaven. And you are under my protection. That's what the the threshold covenant means. That's what he meant by, this is the covenant that I make with you in my blood. Because whenever you drink of this, you come into my protection. You cross my threshold. You are my bride. That's how powerful it is. And then we come to the fourth cup, the cup of Hillel, the cup of praise. And after that cup, they all went into the garden of Gethsemane to await his fate. The final element of the Passover Seder is the egg. Now normally we think of egg as a sign of life, a sign of new life. Not this one. This has been hard-boiled. It's dead. The egg in Hebrew in Jewish mysticism is a sign of mourning. And it's a sign of mourning because initially it was a sign of mourning because of the loss of the temple. When the temple was destroyed during the Babylonian conquest. And so we, we put the, the egg over the flame in order to blacken it so that it symbolizes we are mourning the destruction of the temple. But believers look at this egg and we put it over the, over the candle in order to say, yes, he did this for me. He died so I could live. He died so that I would have spiritual eternity with him rather than spiritual eternity isolated from him. Brothers and sisters, that very quickly is the Passover and where our Messiah fits into it. And I pray, my prayer for you, for all of us this day, is that his word touches your heart. 
that you will come away today understanding and knowing what this means to you. What his death and what his resurrection symbolizes to all of us. And so I ask you to rise as I will chant for, for you the Aaronic benediction. The benediction that God taught Moses and Moses taught Aaron, his brother, and that Aaron blessed the Israelites with, that I have the pleasure now of blessing you. Yivarechecha Adonai Veishmarecha May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance to you and bring you the godly peace that can only come through our Zar Shalom, our Prince of Peace. And remember that image. For the only way that our great and magnificent God can look up to us is if he's holding us in his hands like an adoring father holds his adorable child. We are his adorable children. And he loves us so, so much. Go in his grace. Remain standing. This morning a pastor share is going to lead us in a concluding song. And then she's going to close in prayer. But after she prays, if you're here and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, and you'd like to learn more about this Jesus that is presented in such a clear way this morning, then we'd invite you following her concluding prayer just to come to the front. And we'd be glad to introduce you to Jesus and pray for you for whatever needs you may have. Thank you. And the Lord richly bless you today. Let's sing this together.
morning, but you may want to just stay and continue to worship with us and let him continue to speak to your heart. And maybe for the first time, something has come alive, maybe Jesus' love or what he did for you. And so feel free to stay in this room and, and worship the Lord. And if you want prayer, please come to the front and we'll pray for you. But please uh, be best to go. God, just help us to be aware of your presence in our lives and bless us as we go and and uh, just come alive in everything we do, Lord, that we would remember what it is you've done for us and that you love us and that you have saved us. And as we go this week and, and uh, Good Friday and Easter Sunday and just remember the crux of what we believe, may it come alive again in our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Be blessed. Thank you. I'm giving you this song, waiting at the cross, and all the world holds here. I count it all as lost for the sake of knowing you, for the glory of your name, to know the lasting joy, even sharing.
Give our lives.